Harvest Australia Church podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. Hope you're all doing well. Just poke the person next to you and say, you're doing well? Yeah? Hopefully their answer was yes. School holidays, often a time with uh, all sorts of things going on, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a great time for, for students and staff of schools to recover a little bit. The, the rest of us maybe need to keep working, but um, it's, a, it's a great time. And it's 20 degrees in here. Isn't that nice? <laughs> it's a bit chilly out there, isn't it? Ah, well, um, turn to Psalm 23 and just get that prepared. A lot of you know this. A lot of you would have memorized Psalm 23 um, over the years, so it, it should be really familiar for most of us. Um, but I just want to pray before we start reading. Lord, we pray for your blessing upon today. Lord, I pray that every single person here this morning would receive something from you. Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would impart your life and your truth and your hope and your destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23. Hopefully you're there. Now, what's a little bit of a curveball is I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So I've put it up here so that we can follow it because I think it has a, has, has a great flavor on it, if that's okay. From verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name, especially when the crows are winning. It's just a different version. And port, for port barracas, we're just in unity this weekend, aren't we, everyone? Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close behind me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. Isn't that good? All the days of my life and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. This passage, which a lot of us know really well, you probably know the NIV version or the New King James version. Um, and this has a slightly different flavor on it. The bit that I loved is this really takes us through a little bit of a journey. And this is often the case for all of us in life's journey. There's ups and there's downs. And when we're in the downs, it's often hard to see the ups or see where is, where's the next hill going to come? Where's the next victory going to come through? How's my breakthrough going to come about? And so Psalm 23 is a great one because it begins in, in the Lord's goodness and resting in Him. But then we, we're, we're walking through dark stuff. We're walking through challenges. And then it finishes with, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. 
God's unfailing love is pursuing you this morning, no matter who you are and no matter what background you're from, no matter what situation you're in, His unfailing love is pursuing you, chasing you down. Now, you might not feel like that. It might feel like He's chasing away from you. Uh, because different circumstances can come at us in life. But the Word of God, you can stand on and you can be assured He's chasing after you. He's looking after you. He's actually pursuing you. And that's why I love uh, verse 6, how it says, His unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Even in the valleys, even in the darkness, He's still pursuing us. He's chasing us down. Why? To bring about his plan and purpose in our life. He wants the best for us. He doesn't want failure. And throughout this week, I've had a phrase going through my head, which um, is really the crux of what I want to say today. And, And this is specifically for some of you, that disappointment is not your destiny. Disappointment is not your destiny. I remember about five or six years ago now, when we were on the brink of losing our business. And, and I've told many stories about this, but it's for me, it's the pinnacle of our real hostile challenge in our life financially and, and even physically and in some ways in, in that sense. But I remember um, all the bad report, all of the challenges facing us at that time of hundreds of people we've got to pay or hundreds of people going to be out of work because we couldn't pay. And I remember during the, the final weeks before selling our business, or maybe in final months, every night at 7 p.m. throwing on Joel Osteen and, and just needing a little bit of that victory that he carries and hearing the simple words of, it's going to be okay. Somehow, God will make some good come out of this. And I remember just sort of hanging on that half an hour thinking, wow, I just needed that bit of encouragement. And that's, that's what we have to journey through in life, isn't it? And that's called faith. But when we see people and we hear the Word of God in faith, it releases life and it releases an energy in us which releases hope. Because hope isn't a natural feeling, it's a supernatural feeling. And when we have faith inside of us, we can believe for things that aren't natural. It isn't natural what we believe in. It's supernatural. It's beyond natural. And so don't let disappointment be your destiny. If you've had failures, if you've had breakdowns, if you've had issues in your life, maybe financially, relationally, health-wise, that doesn't have to determine your future. That doesn't have to make out who you're now going to be. Or now I'm a sick person. Or now I'm a frustrated person. Or now I'm a person who carries disappointment. And so every conversation has a little bit of disappointment, has a little bit of negativity or a little bit of, oh, but, you know, this never happened for me. That's not the Word of God. The Word of God reigns supreme over your feelings, over your situations, over your experiences, over your failures. And so we stand on his word, which says, disappointment is not my destiny. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and bless you. And so these are the destiny words that we need in times of trouble. And I want to share a couple more with you. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. In fact, I'll go there. I'll go there in a minute because I just want to cover something off before we read that. Um, There's three facets to 
destiny and discovering our destiny that I want to just have a look at today really briefly because we can't go into it in too much depth. But um, it's interesting because we live in the now and the not yet and we are saved but we're being saved and all these different facets and ways of looking at how we are in our lives toward eternity, we have a very short posture in our lives, don't we? 70, 80, 90, 100 years, maybe a few more. We have a very, very short time span compared with eternity. Eternity is continuous. And so we are saved, but we're being saved into eternity. And so there's three postures that I want us to look at this morning in, cover, in looking at our destiny. There's the who I was, and the who I was is really covered well in that song, in that writings of amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And he goes through how bad he was. And obviously his testimony is a, is a great testimony of the grace of God, pulling someone from darkness into light. That's the who I was. Then there's the who I am. And then there's the who I am becoming. And these three facets of our life create in us a destiny of his goodness. Who I am doesn't determine who I'm becoming. Uh, sorry, who I was doesn't determine who I'm becoming. Who I was is pre-Christ, or as some people will say, your BC life, your before Christ life. Before Christ life gets buried when we get saved. It gets buried and hopefully killed off, killed off, killed off. And sometimes the old man tries to raise his head again, old habits or thinkings or thoughts, and we have to deal with those things. And because that's the who I, who I was. But we're not that person anymore. We're the who I am. And he's made us in his image. So that's who you are now. You're made in his image. And when we're in Christ, we are now in him. And so, and, and the, 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 the AD, I, I've forgotten the Latin for it. I know someone else could pronounce it really fancy, but I, I get it right, but I call it, you know, ammunition domination, but it's similar to that. But... But look up the Latin and have a look. A.D., B.C., A.D., right? In the year of our Lord. See, when we, when we are born again, we are now A.D. We're in the year of our Lord. We now live in Him. We live in the year of His favour. We live in the year of our Lord. So we're not B.C. anymore. We're A.D. in the Lord. And therefore, he is trying to make us into his likeness. And so there's always a pursuing. That's what Psalm 23 is talking about. There's a pursuing. And so we, we are saved, but we are being saved. And we're being transformed into his likeness. And so we're created in his image where he is the now, but there's a part of us that's not yet, as in there's more to come. There's more inheritance to come. There's greater things to do. There's greater things to accomplish. There's the now and the not yet. And I want to read from um, 2 Corinthians 5 uh, just quickly. And it says, God made him who had no sin to be a sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the AD life, the righteousness of God. When we are in the year of our Lord, as in we're saved, when we hear the gospel and we respond to the gospel, we receive Jesus, we're now living in the year of our Lord and we are, have become his righteousness. He, is, he has imputed his righteousness to us, not because we deserve it, but because we asked for it. 
He's imputed righteousness to us for free, instantly. It's ours. But he's developing that in us so that we may become the righteousness of God. I want us to look at Philippians 2.12, which is what I mentioned before. Philippians 2.12. Let me read this quickly, and I just want to have a look at something here. Philippians 2.12. In the NIV, I'm just going to read this quickly. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, and continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. There's always, this is the, this is the not yet portion, or this is the being saved portion. We're saved, absolutely. We're in an AD life, but in our AD life, we're growing. We're increasing in kingdom understanding. We're increasing in his likeness. We're increasing in his righteousness. Even though we, we have it all for free, we're increasing in our understanding and our capacity to handle that in our maturity. And so um, that's why it says here, how much more in my absence? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I, I started looking at this and thinking, what does that mean? Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That sounds like, you know, real old, old time conservative thinking. Um, but let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear or deep reverence and respect, you could say. And so it puts a different slant on it. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, as in, and this is what the book of James explores a little bit, that it's faith and works. It's faith and works. It's not just faith, and it's not just works. It's faith and works. And when faith is accompanied by works, then others get the impact of the kingdom going on inside of us. And so... This is the, the tangent that we, we wrestle with is we've received an inheritance as sons and daughters for free and we've got it all freely accessible. However, the Father delivers it in doses that we can handle. If he gave us every single lifelong promotion in an instant, right now in the practical sense I mean, then we might not be able to handle it. In fact, we probably wouldn't be able to handle it. So he gives it to us in doses because he's a wise master. He knows what we can invest. He knows what we can be trusted with. And so he allows us to learn at stages in our life how to handle promotion, how to handle prominence, how to handle influence. And so we're not deluged by all this stuff that we can't handle. And therefore, our righteousness becomes a blessing to others and not a position of pride. And so work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, this is not a doctrine of works. It's not a doctrine of works. What it's saying really here is that if we're saved and being saved, if we're in his righteousness, if we're, be, if we're made in his image and we're living in Christ, then our AD life should be living in the Lord. Therefore, there should be evidence to that. Or as R.T. Kendall says, we're justified by faith, but faith is never alone. Faith is accompanied by works. And so it's one of those doctrines that when we understand it, we realize that 
if there really is the living Christ inside of me, it's going to have an impact on other people. There's going to be evidence. There's going to be a demonstration. And that's why it's been great to do this love mission over this year because it's demonstrating. Some of us might not have thought, oh, wow, that actually impacts a person. Or maybe we've just um, been quite conservative in our mentality of how we sort of operate. And so this has just shaken the bushes. And it's been so good to hear the testimonies of so many of you who have got out there and mowed lawns and loved on people and bought something for your neighbor or just had a kingdom conversation with people. And I've found that even just in us doing that, it's activated me even more. And so when I'm, I'm having conversation with, with tradesmen all the time and I'm finding they want to talk about this stuff. They, they don't want to, you know, be bombarded, but there's an openness because there's an active kingdom in us that actually wants to be released. And so it, it, the best way, I think, to get rid of spiritual frustration and boredom is to start giving it away. Just start giving it away any way you know how. Or even if you don't know how, just start doing it. Even if it's awkward, it'll get better. And, you know, just use them as trial runs. It's okay. They'll survive. But, you know, whatever it is, just begin releasing the kingdom. And so in that way, you're working hard to show the results of your salvation. It's not going to help your salvation. You're already saved. But it's going to be one of the outworkings of salvation. And you're living in an AD life. You're in the year of our Lord. So he's in you and he wants to get out of you. And it's, it's a powerful thing when we learn to do this. Um, it can be one of those things that after numerous letdowns in life, we can actually begin to believe the lie that says, this is my lot. This is the way it's going to be. I've been let down I'm not recognized, or this doesn't just happen for me, or that prayer's never answered, everyone else gets promoted. And we can begin to actually have a pattern in our life where these things hit upon us enough times, we begin to believe that's, that's the truth. But it's not, it's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. He loves to allow us to believe things that may seem godly and seem humble, but they're not. They're poverty. They're death. They're not life. You don't feel good believing that, you know, you're never going to be promoted. There's not going to be anything good happen in you. It's a lie from the enemy. So we need to take those thoughts captive. And sometimes we need to recognize we've believed a lie. I've believed a lie about myself. I believed a lie about my family. I believed a lie about this situation. It's not truth. It's not the Word of God. It's not actually what He's ever spoken to me. And so therefore, this is about appropriating the cross. The cross is done. We're, our, our spirit is done and dusted. It's safe. But sometimes we have to reappropriate the work of the cross to areas of our thinking, areas of our life, because that still hasn't died fully yet. You know, the old man comes back every now and then like a, you know, like a hen pecking away. And so we have to appropriate the work of the cross to that thing. And we have to take those thoughts captive, as the Word of God says. Put them under the cross, and we need to declare those things null and void in our life. And so any lies we're believing, today can be a day of great freedom over your life just by getting rid of some lies. Maybe some words someone's spoken over you, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be able to do this. Oh, you don't fit. You don't look right. You don't sound right. I mean, look, if you're going to lead worship, you want to be able to sing, okay? So, you know, don't come and audition if you can't sing. But, 
But you know in your heart of hearts what you're good at and what he's put inside of you. And so if there's lies coming against those things, that's what we take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. It's our weapon and we use the weapons of our warfare. And so we take these thoughts captive. We, we put them under the cross. And so these disappointments are actually great opportunities throughout our life of maturing, developing, and forming rigorous faith. Rigorous faith. If you have someone in your trench and you're fighting a battle, you want someone who's fought before, don't you? You want someone who knows the battle strategies. You want someone who even knows what the enemy's going to be up to next. You want to you wanna know this dude knows his stuff when it comes to military strategy. You don't want a novice who's never been on the battlefield, never really operated in this room. He's done a few little training runs or conferences and thinks he's got it all, but he doesn't. You want someone who's done time with the Lord. And this is what we want to be for other people in working out our salvation. We want to explore the depths of his heart and we want to get past the disappointment and we want to live an AD life in the year of our Lord of victory and hope and destiny. But to do that, we have to go beyond disappointment. Get beyond disappointment. Disappointment is not your destiny. It's not who you are. Your failures are not who you are. Your situations and negative things and, and, and trials are not who you are, but they can make you a greater person. They can allow you to be an overcomer rather than a frustrated Christian. There's nothing worse than a frustrated Christian. It's even worse than a frustrated crow's barracker. But a frustrated Christian is, is not someone you want to be around. Generally, they have a, an immense measure of the clunker anointing, an immense measure. I mean, such a heavy measure that you even fall under it sometimes. It's like they start complaining and they start being negative about this and that and the other. Oh, that's not, that's not how we should be doing it. This, uh, that's the clunker anointing. It's, it's, not, it's yesterday's man. It's not today's man or tomorrow's man. And so we want to stay fresh in the year of our Lord because it never ends. And it's not a one-time event. It's an ongoing thing. And the year of our Lord brings about life and this is the good part. John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. We all know that. My purpose, says Jesus, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A lot of, a lot of evangelicalism, conservative Christianity in particular, wants to uh, make you humble enough so that you, you just believe you're going to have enough you're going to have enough, but you don't want to be rich. You don't want to be rich. You don't want to be overflowing because, you know, then you might be a big head. Then you, then you might be someone who begins to look a little bit flashy. But John 10.10 10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So what's the opposite to that? Because he's the deceiver, and deceive me is opposite, right? So what's the opposite to steal, kill, and destroy? Well, it's that you would be so blessed, so radically blessed, that you would be a blessing to everyone around you. 
And so that's, that's the enemy's plan. Sometimes when we look at the enemy, we know what God actually wants to do. Because if he wants to bring poverty and sickness and, and depression and negativity, then God wants to bring such an overcoming spirit. He wants to bless you financially. He wants to bless you in health. He wants to bless you in relationships. And therefore, we can be a blessing to others. In other words, we won't have to try to work out our salvation. It'll ooze out of us. It'll ooze out of us. And therefore, people want to be around us. And we go from being a clunker to a Ferrari or a Rolls Royce. You pick today, whatever you want to be. My purpose, and this is not my words. This is words of Jesus Christ. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Do you have a rich and satisfying life. I'm not just talking financially. I mean a rich life in, in richness and fullness of relationship and happiness within and without. Rich and satisfying life. This is God's plan for your life. This is what he desires for you. Every single person in the room today, this is his plan for you, that you'd have a rich and satisfying life. In areas where we may not have a rich, satisfying life, that's where we go back and say, Lord, what do you want to teach me in that situation? What's a lie that I need to just cancel and get rid of out of who I am? Because it's not who you are. You are not depression. You are not sickness. You are not ill. You, you are not a person who fails. His desire for you is that you would prosper and be blessed so that you can be a blessing. And it's so attractive when you're around people who are a blessing. You actually want to hang around them. It's like they've got, you know, some supernatural Tommy Hilfinger on or something like that. It's just beautiful. It's good stuff. Fragrance. It's good. You want to be around them. That's what the supernatural life is meant to bring out of us. Not a poverty, not a depression, not a, and if you suffer in these things, you don't have to. That's the part about the abundant life. The supernatural life brings healing, brings hope, and it brings destiny. These, these other things, the old man, who you were, old woman, that's not who you are now. You're becoming more and more like him, and he's pursuing you all day and all night. He's pursuing you to bring us into the fullness of the AD life, the year of our Lord. And when we discover that, when we, when we yearn for that, when we even yield to that, it makes it a whole lot easier. And sometimes where there's frustrations and struggles, sometimes we just need to yield. Just yield to him. Yield control. Yield religion. Yield, yield rejection. Yield disappointment. Yield these things from your life to the cross. Just appropriate the cross to those things. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for freshness. Appropriate the work of the cross. It's powerful for every realm of life. Every single realm of life. And then we can truly experience a rich and satisfying life. Why don't you stand this morning? I want to just pray for everyone. If you've recognized this morning that you've believed some lies and there's just some stuff, you just need to stamp on the cross and just let Jesus completely cancel off your life. Then just lift your hands and we just want to do that together this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And um, 
just begin to think of some of those things, maybe negative thoughts, negative patterns, negative habits. It might be stuff that you know is just not godly. It's not produced good fruit in your life. Then, then just as we do this, act together, raising our hands and just... Uh, just even naming those things before the cross of Jesus Christ. We want to just give those things over to him this morning together. We want to take a few minutes just to do that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power of your cross to cancel every single sin, every debt, every negativity, every lie, every negative habit. And Lord, this morning... We ask for the power of your cross, your blood to wash us this morning. And Lord, right now, we just give you those things. And you might just want to either out loud or quietly, you might just want to speak those things out that you need to just give to Jesus. Give to him this morning. Put it on the cross. Put it on the cross. Put it on the cross. It's your BC life. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. It's not who you're becoming. So give, them, give those things to Him. Those thoughts, those negative thoughts, any disappointments, any fear, rejection, these sorts of things, we want to give to Jesus this morning. It's your BC, man or woman. It's not who you are. You're an AD. You're in the year of our Lord. And if you don't know Jesus here this morning, you can live with Him. You can live a life with Him. You can give your life to Him even right now. Just say to Him, Jesus, forgive me. I want to live with you. I want to live an AD life in the year of our Lord, not a BC life before Christ. I want, to, I want a fresh new life with you, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart, come into my life, and I want to live with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give these things to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask for forgiveness. We ask for refreshing. We ask, Lord, that you would just wash us in your blood this morning. Lord, we ask that you would lift burdens off this morning. You would cancel every lie. Cancel every lie of every life here this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we just speak out a rich and satisfying life. And we do that with the authority of the Word of God. It's your words, Jesus. It's not mine. I decree a rich and satisfying life over you. I decree an abundant life over you. I decree His life, His life, His power, His healing, His destiny in Jesus. His destiny over you. His destiny. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.